to share with you um, the theme, Bold Generosity. Last week we began, we're going to go for three weeks, but you know, sometimes I like to start with something funny, and so I decided to uh, go ahead and share a quick story with you this morning. I heard about this um, couple that were married that were both celebrating their 60th birthday. Suddenly, bam, an angel shows up and says, God has decided to grant each of you a request. Well, the wife, she gets all excited. She jumps up and down. She says, I've always wanted to travel the world together. And poof, when the, cloak, the, the smoke cleared, there were two tickets to travel the world in her hand. But the man, he kind of hung his head in shame and said, well, my request is that I've always wanted to be married to a woman 30 years younger than me. And poof, when the smoke cleared, he was 90 years old. Um, I mean, you know, God gave him what he deserved. Amen. <laughs> hey, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to dive in. You know, today we're honored to have people joining us all over L.A. County, right here in the Santa Clarita Valley, Oregon, Dallas, Arizona, Kansas. Come on, will you put your hands together and welcome your church family? Isn't that cool? Amen. I want us to uh, take a moment. We're going to read our theme verse. Now, you know, for several weeks, we've been talking about bold, that God's called us to bold prayers, bold vision, and now we're focusing on bold generosity. And we've read the, the verse week after week, Proverbs 28, verse 1, which says, the godly are as bold as lions. The godly are called to be bold. But not only are they called to be bold, let's read this together because this is our theme verse. Psalm 37, verse 21. I want to hear everybody read it, all of you online as well. Ready? The godly are generous givers. So in other words, the godly aren't just called to be bold. They're called to be generous. God has called us to bold generosity. So I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. I ask that you would bring just a strong anointing on everything spoken and on our hearts and minds to receive it. God, we want you to speak truth to us. And we know that when we receive the truth, that's when we find freedom. Lord, and I'm asking you for freedom in our hearts, our minds, our mindsets, our finances, and every part of our lives. Why don't you pray this with me? Say, God, I want to be bold and I want to be generous in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We learned as we've been going through the book of Nehemiah for several weeks that Nehemiah was a bold man who prayed bold prayers. He had bold vision, but he was also a man of bold generosity. He went back to his city. He rebuilt the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And when they finally finished this miraculous feat of building these walls, the first thing that he does is he calls God's people together. They gather in the city and they hear the word of God and the word of God is a lamp to our feet. It's to guide us and tell us what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live. And as they hear the word, then they begin to pray prayers of repentance and committing of themselves to obey God's commands. And one of the main themes that we find that the people needed to repent of was for their sin of not being willing to honor the Lord with the tithe. In fact, Malachi, who we read on tithing, um, was a contemporary of Nehemiah, and he preached the same thing prophetically to the people. And the reason that we're talking about this, because first of all, we've been working through the book of Nehemiah. If we're going to understand generosity, we have to start by understanding, honoring the king and honoring his tithe. So 
What we did is in week one, and I'm just going to give a quick little review. And let me just stop and say, you know, I know sometimes maybe you come and you've come to church and like, you know what, man, I've come to church and I've, I've been tithing for years. I understand the principle. And why are we talking about that when there's so many topics in the Bible? But I want you to know something. One of the exciting things here at Higher Vision is that we have hundreds, literally thousands of people get saved every year. Our church is filling up with new people, new Christians. And uh, how many know that we've got to lay the foundation and, and here's the truth, that when you learn the principle of generosity and tithing, you position yourself for God's best and his blessing. How I many know we want everyone to be able to walk in blessing? So every year we repeat certain topics. So one, this is one of them. For a few weeks out of the year, we address this issue, just like we address things like healing and forgiveness and redemption and things like that. So I want to encourage you, and let me just say, I know this is a little bit of a sensitive area, the area of money and giving, and some people think, well, the church just wants my money. Um, well, I want you to know something that, first of all, if you want to come to Higher Vision and never give anything, first of all, I want you to know, I'll never know if you give or not. As a pastor, I have no idea. I made that decision when we started the church, when we were small and when we were larger. I didn't really look and see what people gave because I didn't want to be tempted to be like, oh boy, I'm really happy to see them this week. <laughs> come on, I'm human just like you. I didn't want that temptation. So I won't know if you do or not. Number two, you don't have to give and you don't have to tithe to get to heaven. The Bible says we're saved through faith in Christ, not of works, lest any man should boast. So our, our salvation comes through faith in Christ. But I will say this. First of all, I want to be sensitive and, re and respectful to everyone as you process this personal issue in your life. But I want to say this. I believe that the Bible is clear that you'll never live the best and most blessed life until you learn the power of honoring the tithe and walking in generosity. And all of you that found that out, you found it to be true, says amen. amen. So give me a little grace as we dive into this topic today. So here's the thing. If we're going to understand generosity, as we look at Nehemiah, we have to understand honoring the tithe. Because Nehemiah and Malachi, they understood, they honored the tithe. So what is tithing? If you're new to church, when you hear people say, well, let's give the tithe. Well, I want to be clear because a lot of Christians really don't know. We learn as we read through Malachi, God says, you're cheating me, you're stealing from me because you're not giving the tithe. So what is it? Number one, tithing is the percentage. Tithing is about the percentage. Here's what tithing is. God says, when you receive your income, say you made $2,000 this month, I want you to bring the tithe, and the word tithe is 10 or 10th. So I want you to bring 10% of what you made. So that would be if it's $2,000 you made, bring $200. And here's what he said in Malachi. I want you to bring it into the storehouse. That represents your local church. So I want you to bring all $200 to your local church and give it to God through the local church. So the first 10% belongs to God. That's what the Bible teaches. And you bring it to your local church. Second thing is tithing is not only that, it's the order. It's about saying this, because the, the Bible also talks about giving tithe, and it talks about what's called first fruits and the firstborn. So for instance, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they had herds and one of their animals had a lamb, the way tithing works is it isn't that you have 10 lambs and give me one, God says. God says, I want you to give the first one to me and then the rest of them will be blessed. Because a lot of people, we, we kind of do it this way. Well, God, at the end of the month, if I have anything left over, I'll give you something. God says, I don't want to be the leftover. I want, it, I want to be the first. 
I want you to trust me because if you can trust me with the first one, guess what? I'll bless the rest of them. And so instead of when you get paid, you know, waiting and you pay the mortgage payment and you pay the car payment and what I like to say is, God, I want you to be first. So I set it up where it's the first thing that goes out of my account. When I get paid, the first thing I do is I give it to God. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not like you've sinned or something if you didn't. But the point is, is you're saying in your heart, God, you're number one. Chase Manhattan's not number one. Honda's not number one. God, you're number one. So God, you're first. That's really what it is. It's a heart thing. So it's about the percentage, it's about the order, and now here's the one that I think most Christians a lot of times have missed out and don't understand, and that is it's about the control. Tithing's about the control, and this is a big one where a lot of Christians miss this, this concept, and, and it's really why we start with tithing, because we can't understand generosity when we don't understand about the control, because here's what God says, the first 10% belongs to me. And what happens is, if we're not careful, we think somehow that it belongs to us, and so we want to control it, like where it goes and how we use it and when we give it. And we learned last week there's a, a verse in the Bible that's pretty powerful that a lot of people have never seen. And I'm going to give you the Jared translation of it. Is that okay? We're going to reel with Jared translation for the sake of time. Basically, what this verse says is when you have an offering that's supposed to go to God or you're supposed to sacrifice the firstborn... Don't do it in the field or at your house or do it wherever you think you should do it. Bring it to my temple, give it to the priests and take your hands off of it. And then it will be a sweet aroma unto God. And he said, I've commanded this principle to be for all of time. And he even says in there, he says, I'm doing this because I want to make sure that the people don't think that they can control, this is, my, again, my translation of it, what doesn't belong to them. And so what happens is that a lot of people, they think when it comes to tithing, well, well you know what I'll do is I, I'll give 5% to the church. But you know what? I love to have that other 5% to be able to help people when they have needs. You know, give to someone on the side of the road that's hungry or help someone that has a broken down car. I'll give them money to fix their car. But what God's saying in this principle of tithing is, listen, the challenge is, and it started all the way in the garden, right? When God gave him the garden, he said, it's all yours. This tree's mine. Don't try to eat, control, be in charge of what belongs to me. You can have all the rest. And so a lot of times Christians feel like they're tithing, but I believe according to scripture, they're actually being a thief because they're trying to use somebody else's money to be generous. So, so the Bible teaches us it's about the percentage, it's about the order, and it's about the control. In other words, God, I'm going to take my hand off what belongs to you, and I'm going to give it to the house of God so that the house of God, the priests, they'll be responsible, they'll be accountable for it. Now, God, I've given you yours. I'm not trying to do anything with it. Lord, I'm going to thank you. Now, the, the rest, the 90% belongs to me, and, and, and here's the cool thing, the bottom line is what, what if we're gonna be generous, we need to understand and is this, is that generosity begins at 11%. Why, because now you're tapping into the 90 that belongs to you. Y'all still with me, say amen. amen. And I think a lot of people miss this part of the teaching. So last week, I preached on that a little bit, and uh, guys, I don't know if that hazer's still going, but can we turn that thing off? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the Shekinah glory all around me. It's just, um, so, 
So I got this testimony last week, and I just wanted to share it with you. Someone sent this to me. It said, hi, pastor. Growing up, I was always taught the importance of tithing before taxes. Getting married, my wife and I were on the same page in that not giving the tithe was not an option. It was tough. We were in a small one-bedroom apartment and never had extra. Our treating ourselves was two cheeseburgers, two small fries, and a large iced tea from McDonald's, which was $6. Come on, how many remember those days? Remember those days? Come on, how many of we come a long way from those days, right? There were times where we were literally put in a position where it was either buy baby formula and food or tithe. Mind you, we were good stewards. We couldn't afford to be wasteful. But we stayed committed, and God always showed up each time. There would be an unexpected check in the mail. Family would stop by with tons of groceries, and our fridge and pantry would be packed. Through the years, we've given to God first. We stayed committed and God never failed us. In fact, you preached on the tithe about 10 years ago and one of your points was all God is asking for is 10% so that we can keep the 90. That resonated with us because it's not like he's being greedy, LOL. 12 years later, we look back at how God has been so faithful and has blessed us. We have peace of mind in our home, even during the trials, favor on the job or favor at work. We have what we need and don't struggle like before. Please hear my heart. I'm not being boastful, Pastor, but God has blessed us. I now make more than five times what I made when we first got married, and my wife now makes double of what she made we are able to bless our family and our friends and are not struggling. Yes, at times, it gets crazy because we're like, dang, that's a whole lot of tithe. <laughs> Come on, anybody been there? <laughs> but it's natural for us now to tithe because we understand it's not ours. And it's because of being obedient and faithful we are in position, in the position we are today. Thank you for being faithful and bold in speaking on tithing. So many are missing out on God's fullness in this area. You see, here's the part that, that goes with the, the passage of what tithing is to bring all of it to the storehouse, not try to control it or whatever. It goes on to say this. Listen, if you do this, God says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you can't contain. And he says, and I will rebuke the devourer. You see, when you honor the tithing, here's what you're doing is you're honoring the king. Every king, and I'm, I'm giving you a quick review, but every king, he has two main responsibilities to his kingdom. One is protect the kingdom. So you have military, you have officers that restore and keep the peace. No one can walk into your house and rob from you. Uh, a threat of invasion is not gonna take place. Why? Because of protection from the king. And secondly, provision. The king makes sure that there's economy so that you can get a job and provide for your family. So here's the cool thing. It's a beautiful picture that when we honor the tithe, what we're doing is we're honoring the king, therefore becoming part of the citizenship of the kingdom to be able to stand under the authority and blessing of the king, which means that God will bless you and that God will protect you. Come on, how many want to be in that position? And what I've seen is that Honestly, what the Bible teaches is that you'll be way more blessed with 90% than you will if you try to use or control the other 10. And I've seen it over and over and over again. So 
In order to talk about generosity, we have to start by realizing what's ours and what belongs to God. Because generosity comes from that 90. Generosity begins at 11%. So I just want to show you this one verse, and then we'll dive into our points today. Malachi 3.8, God was talking about the tithe, and he said, you've cheated me of the tithes and what? Offerings due to me. So I believe the Lord challenges us to not only return the tithe to him, but also to be generous with the 90 that we have. At times we give above and beyond. Some people commit to missions. Some people help people in need. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about this concept, and I want to give you two thoughts. And the first one might catch you off guard, but I want to just share it with you. Point number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If we're going to talk about bold generosity, then here's what you need to know. Bold generosity asks for blessings. Bold generosity asks for God to bless you. Some of you say, well, where do you find that? Well, let's go back to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, was a, he was a bold guy. He was a generous guy. When he moved to Jerusalem, he was the governor of that realm, which meant that he was allowed to tax the people and the money that came in from the taxes, he could use it for running the city, doing certain things, um, providing for the, the, the needs or whatever. He chose not to tax the people. Not only that, he fed 150 people from his own table, from his own income, every single meal. Come on, how many ever catered a meal of 150 people? How much that cost some money? He did it for 12 years. And as he's going through this season of generosity from his own income, because he honored the tithe, I mean, he, he called the people together to repent, so, and he was a man who followed the law. So now he's demonstrating generosity, and after he does, watch what he prays. Remember, O oh God, all that I have done for these people and say with me, bless me for it. He literally pray, prays that God would bless him for being generous. And I just want to stop and say, and I know it sounds simplistic, but it's okay to pray, God, I'm asking you to bless me. Now, I know some of you right away, there's going to be a little, little question mark rise in your mind, and it's going to say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. It's not about us. And it sounds like you're preaching the prosperity gospel. Well, so let me just explain to some of you what is the prosperity gospel. In extreme, um, unbalanced approach to scripture, it says, God didn't just come to forgive me. God came to make me rich. So I can have a nicer car, a bigger house. I can consume my wealth for what I want. That is not gospel right there. But here's what is gospel. The Bible says that God wants to prosper you. Do you know that? In fact, we can go all the way to the Old Testament. Jeremiah 27, or 37. He says, and that might even be wrong too. I can't remember the, the location. Look it up. It's in the Bible. Here's what God says. No, it's 29. That's what it is. He says, God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Thoughts of a hope and a future. Thoughts to prosper you. That word prosper means health. It means finance. So God wants to prosper you. In fact, in the New Testament, it says this, I want you to prosper as your soul prospers. So basically, as God's saying, I want you to prosper spiritually and in other ways too. God wants you to prosper. Why? Because how can you bless someone if you have nothing to bless them with? How can you be generous if you don't have anything to be generous with? So God wants to bring resources into your hands. Why? That's why he did it with Abraham. I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. 
In fact, I even think that this touches God's heart, that if you have the right motive and you're honoring the, you know, the Lord with the tithe, if you have a heart to be generous and you don't care necessarily about, oh, it's more important for me to have a bigger car and a bigger house. There's nothing wrong with a bigger house and a bigger car. But if you do that to the point where you're not willing to give and bless and honor others, that's one thing. But when you have the right heart, did you know that God literally said this about a man named Jabez? He said, Jabez was more honorable than everybody else. Why? Because the Bible says he asked the Lord to bless him. And the Bible says God answered his prayer and expanded his territories. So I want you to know something. God is not against you believing for blessing. You know why? Because if you'll be generous, he wants to use that as the means to bless you. Let me show you. The Bible says in the book of uh, Proverbs 11, it says the generous will what? Right? The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. God wants to bless generous people. Here's the second thing, is that God has called us to giving. In fact, look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. But since you excel in everything else, in faith, and you excel in speech, in other words, you share the love of Jesus, you excel in knowledge, you're, you're growing in your knowledge of God, in complete earnestness, you're all passionate about God and sincere, and in love, you need to make sure also that you excel in the grace of giving. God has called us to generosity. I just wanna encourage you, as you begin to learn to honor the Lord with the tithe and you begin to walk in generosity, I want to encourage you to begin to write down, begin to ask God, God, I'm believing for this promise. I'm believing for increase. I'm believing. I'm going to tell you, God can bless you. The problem is, is that we have not because we... And then it goes on to say, and when you do ask, you ask amiss or you ask the wrong way because you want to consume it. It's about you. So I want to tell you, if you get your heart right and you honor the Lord... And you'll be generous when you ask. Maybe God will go, you know what? I think James is more honorable than a lot of other people. Why? Because he dared to believe for the blessings I had for him. Come on, y'all with me. Say amen. amen. So, bold generosity asks for blessing. We know this is balanced. We know it's scriptural. Here's the second one. And I'm just going to share this by telling you my story. Last week I told you that I wanted to tell you a miracle that happened for me. And I'm going to tell you what I believe about giving, about generosity. And that's this. Bold generosity can bring supernatural breakthrough. Sometimes through generous giving, God will bring a supernatural breakthrough that doesn't happen in other ways. And I'm going I'm to share this principle just by telling my own personal story. You see, next week we're going to talk a little bit more about how generous giving works with a passage in Luke and how God talks about that. But this week I just want to tell you my story. But here's the reality is that, you see, what you keep is all you will have. But what you give, God can multiply. In other words, remember the boy with the lunch? He could have kept his lunch. But because he gave sacrificially, because he saw a need, what happened? The Bible says that Jesus took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and multiplied it. And a lot of times, people aren't seeing God's multiple. How many know it's a supernatural breakthrough through to, instead of feed one person, feed 20,000? Come on, how many know that's another level? 
So the principle then is that sometimes the breakthrough is on the other side of generosity. So what I want to do is I'm going to tell you my story. Um, you guys know that uh, in November, in fact, earlier than that, I had shared. I um, mean, I just want to say it was a little tough for me because I, I was wanting to be transparent. I was wanting to protect my family. But at the same time, sometimes when you're a pastor, especially of a church this size, you live in a, a glass bowl. And um, I came before the church after a lot of thinking about it, praying about it, talking to some people about it. And I was transparent that I had a prodigal son that was, had, had left home and was making bad decisions. And so I, I shared, and one of the beautiful things was that people were praying. People were standing with me. I had so many people come up and say, Pastor, we're praying for your son. We're praying that things are gonna change. And so, so we began this process of praying, and for months and months, um, he was out on, on the street. And, and when we got to November, in November, I was in a prayer meeting and, and one of the individuals that was there praying and we'd talked about, I was started a series in November where we talked about mission and how God's called us to go out and share the love of Christ with others, both ourselves and through missions giving. And so I mentioned that and we were trying to raise $200,000 in commitments to giving to missions and what happened was is as they began to pray, they made this statement, they, as they prayed, they said, God, and I pray that you would speak to the people who have the resources and as soon as they said it, here's the first thing I thought, because this is what most people think when it comes to things like this. You're like, oh yeah, God, move on the hearts of the rich people so that they'll give and meet the need. And what we do is that we end up discounting what we're holding in our hand. And immediately the Lord kind of gave me this big download. You know when God speaks to you and he says it all to you in like a moment? And you, it's like he gives me this download. And I, I remember, when, remember when Israel was in three and a half years of, of drought? Because Elijah said it's not going to rain. And so God says to Elijah, I need to feed you. So I have ordered or I've commanded, I've set it up for a widow in Zarephath to provide for you. And when I, again, in this download, as I began to think about it, it was like, I immediately asked myself the question, why God did you choose a widow in her, basically Israel's um, enemy's territory? This was in the land of the Philistines. Why did you use a widow in the Philistine land of their enemies instead of a rich guy in Jerusalem? I mean, there's tons of rich guys and gals in Jerusalem. They could have easily taken care of Elijah and everything would have been fine. Why did you use the one that didn't have much? one that had little. In fact, the Bible said that she had so much little, or had, had, had basically such a desperate situation that she had her last meal, she was gonna make it, they were gonna eat it, and they were gonna die, because there was no more food. And so if you read the story, what happens is God sends Elijah, and he says, hey, you need to give to God first. He calls her to this moment of sacrificial giving. I believe there are times where God calls us to moments of sacrificial giving. And so she decides to say, okay, God, I'm going to obey. I'm going to do it. And she gives, and watch what happens. God ends up using that gift to be a supernatural breakthrough because what happens is, is her oil and her flower jar never empty for the next three and a half years or however long the famine was. In other words, it was through her generosity that God brought the breakthrough to provide for her what she needed. But here's the cool thing. Not only did God want to provide for her all through this time, why did he choose her instead of the rich people? Because the rich people didn't need God to provide for them. And here's what she didn't know. Her son was going to die. And God knew that she needed the prophet 
in Philistine, in the Philistine territory, in her city, near her house, so that when he died, he could lay hands on him and raise him back to life. Here's the point. God knew what she needed before she knew she needed it. And the breakthrough that needed to come came through her willingness to be generous. Could it be that the next level for you, the breakthrough in that relationship, the miracle that you need, could be on the other side of your generosity? And that God's not wanting you to give because he's mad at you, it's because he's wanting to bless you. Because you can't outgive the Lord. God is not mocked. For what a man sows, he's gonna reap. So God, it's all of this begins to download in my heart. And, and, and then what the Lord said to me is he said, you see what you're doing, Jared, and what people do is that they don't value what they have in their hand. And the Holy Spirit said to me, what do you have? Excuse me, I'm gonna get my wires uncrossed. Hang on. God said to me, what do you have in your hand? And what the Lord showed me was something that I was holding really tightly. In fact, I believe it had become an idol. And it was some money. My wife and I had worked hard for several years to save money. In fact, God had blessed us to save some money for our son, who was a prodigal, to be able to help him buy a car. And when the Lord asked me to give that money into missions, which was going to be a 10 times larger commitment to missions than we'd ever made before, immediately I went. Because I think here's what it was. It represented that my son was going to be home. Things were going to be different. And we were going to help him begin his new life. And the question was, am I going to be generous? Or am I going to hold on? And so I began to pray about it. And I felt like the Lord says, a lot of people are holding in their hand something that's become an idol. Something they trust more than they trust me. So I'm like, you know, in fact, I told the the people that were praying with me, I said, I think God's telling me I need to make a sacrificial gift and and give this. And so they're like, well, if that's God speaking to you, and I'm like, okay, I'll do it if the Holy Spirit says yes. So I went home and talked to my wife. (laughs) Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? You gotta be on the same page. And so we prayed it through, and she said, yes, let's do it. And so we made the commitment, and I'll never forget, I stood up in front of our church family, and I was sharing the story, and I said this. I said, listen, I'm not giving this to get my son. I'm giving this because God said to give sacrificially, to have bold generosity is what was in my heart. And so I said, I'm going to do it because the Lord told me. But I did say this, because I went back and listened to the sermon, because I wanted to remember what I said. And here's what I said. I'm doing it because the Lord's told me to do it. I'm not doing it to get my son back, but I do know this. If God can bring a dead son back to that widow, God can bring my son home. And people began to pray. We began to pray and we gave. We gave generously. Fast forward till after the fast was done, 21 days of fasting and prayer, and that was one of the things we were believing for. A short time, just a couple months after that gift. Super Bowl Sunday, around eight o'clock, when we were all sitting around depressed. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about if you're a Rams fan? If you're a Rams fan, you know what I was feeling. Gotcha. Suddenly, phone call comes on my phone. I don't recognize the number, but for me, that was a good thing at that time, because if I didn't recognize the number, 
Sorry, I'm getting emotional. It meant it could be my son, because he didn't have a phone. So I pick it up. I'm like, hello? And when I picked up the phone, here's what I heard. Dad? Yeah. It's me. Hey, son. And the next thing I heard is this. Super Bowl Sunday, 2019. 2019, that's what we're in, right? (laughs) Dad, I want to come home. I don't... I don't, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want things to be different. I want a different life. And of course, I got emotional. I'm excited. I'm like, son, are you sure? Because one of the conditions was that he needed to get help and go into a program. I'm like, son, you know that's the condition. You've got to get help if you come home. He's like, dad, whatever I've got to do, I'm willing to do because I just don't want to be this way anymore. I want things to be different. My wife and I drove, picked him up, came home, got to spend a night with him, and the next day we checked him in. He's now been in a program that goes for a year. You'll see him when he gets his passes. And as I was thinking about this, Suddenly moment. Have you ever had a suddenly moment where God just suddenly changes everything? Suddenly I began to realize, wait a minute. God has got a breakthrough. And even as I began to meditate, God, what was going on? And what I realized is that I don't believe the day he called to come home was an accident. It was Super Bowl Sunday. Some of you think that's because of football and a big win. But no, it's because 16 years earlier, what the Lord reminded me, 16 years earlier, and I tell this story, at, at, when you're, if you go to Growth Track, you'll hear me tell this story. Super Bowl Sunday, 2003, I was sitting in a service right where you are, and God said to me, I want you to leave your home, I want you to leave your, your family, I want you to leave everything, your job, not, not my immediate family, but I want you to follow me and go, and I want you to plant a church. He spoke to me on Super Bowl Sunday. 16 years later on Super Bowl Sunday, he brought my son home. And somebody said, why is that important? What does that mean to you? Well, here's what it means to me is God reminded me of a promise. And the promise was this. He said in the book of Matthew, he says, if any man leaves father or mother or job or home, I will bring back a hundredfold into their life. And a hundredfold for me is not a new car. It's not a new house. It's my son. And God brought my son home because supernatural, bold generosity breaks supernatural breakthroughs. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I, I want to say how much we appreciate all of the prayers and support. And obviously, prayer is a part of this. Obviously, all the things that are needed were a part of this. But I believe there's something about supernatural generosity, sacrificial, bold generosity. When you touch into your portion, it touches the heart of God. In fact, I'll tell you something that hit me too is that 
he ended up in a program it's called the Dream Center and I began to think back over the years I think my mom is in this service and every year for something like 25 years my mom and dad would take people and they'd come to places like the Dream Center and they would give sacrificially they would give I, I remember back my own life my wife and I with Tommy Barnett giving sacrificially to the Dream Center offerings years ago isn't it interesting how God knows what you need before you even know you need it because God is not mocked when a man sows that will he also reap so I'm here before you today to challenge you Uh, you know in America last year Christians only gave God two and a half percent And for people that make $70,000 a year or more, only 1% of them actually tithe to God in America. And in this church, according to our own statistics, only 17% to 18% of our church family give God 10%. Do you know that just if we had 100% tithing in this church, you know what would happen this year? We would have enough resources, not only to do everything God's called us to do already, we would have enough that I could literally write a check and pay off the five and a half million dollar debt on this building, and I would still have 12 million dollars left over to build orphanages, to feed the hungry, to change lives. I think God's looking for people who are boldly generous, that will honor the the Lord's portion and walk in generosity. Think of the breakthroughs. Think the miracles that God, first of all, would do for the kingdom, but could it be that maybe he might even want to do something in you? The question is, are we going to live in fear and hold on to the little we have? Or are we going to say, God, I'm going to be bold. I want you to close your eyes.